Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like, it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not gonna suck! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 103 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. And look, I don't want to start this podcast off on a on a Debbie Downer note. But this has to be uh, the most anticlimactic uh, podcast we've ever had to do as far as, like, we have no news to talk about. <laughs> it's it's the dead of the summer. What are you talking about, Brian? What? They just signed a center. Who? The the Bruins finally signed a center. We've been waiting for this all offseason. Do tell. They signed 2021 third-round pick Brett Harrison to his three-year entry-level contract. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The news we've all been waiting to hear. That if we were waiting for center news, it was Brett Harrison. So we have it. Now there's nothing else to talk about. Oh no, wait. There is. The Bruins are still waiting to sign Bergeron and Krejci. Are you too concerned at all that it's dragged on this long? Uh no, because they were busy at Tugarask's wedding in Italy for the past week. So You're right. Um, I mean, and- like I, I kind of joke, but like Realistically, I'm assuming they probably didn't do much talking to Don Sweeney during that time. So uh, it it is a little weird, obviously, that like this is dragging on so long. But I guess what I would say is uh, there is the Pavel Zaka contract to figure out his arbitration hearing. If it gets that far, would be August 11th. Um, there's been reports that a deal's close. Obviously, nothing has been announced yet, though. At least as of Monday afternoon when we're recording. But I do think there's a chance that it's like, okay, let's get that figured out, figure out exactly what we have left for cap space, and then fit Bergeron and Krejci into whatever makes the most sense from there. So, you know, so at that point you would know, do we need to clear any salary out? Can we fit both of them in on incentivating contracts? We we talked about that, that a little bit last time, but just to kind of refresh people's me- memories, like, the in theory, the Bruins could sign Bergeron and Krejci for a cap hit that's the league minimum, um, and then everything else could be made up in incentives up to, like, $6.5 over the cap. Um, it's not ideal because then whatever is still over the cap at the end of the season – carries over to next season and becomes a cap hit against next year's uh, roster. But like, that's where you kind of almost have to know exactly what every other contract and every other part of your roster looks like before you figure out those calculations of, okay, how much can we afford to have be a cap hit this year? And how much do we want to turn into bonuses that could potentially, you know, end up hurting us next year. So, I would say I'd be more concerned if, like, we get a week or two past Zach's contract coming down and we still haven't heard anything because then it's, like, then really what's the holdup? As of right now, there's one obvious thing I can point to as the holdup, 
and that would be they still haven't figured out Zach's contract, and also Bergeron and Krejci were just having the time of their life in Italy. Yeah, they turned their uh, service off. They didn't want to get uh, data roaming fees, so mm-hmm. they uh, didn't want to pay extra money on their wireless plan. So they oh, turned their actually, phones off, and they didn't they didn't take any phone calls from Don Sweeney. That's a good reminder. I need to do that before, <laughs> before I leave. <laughs> yeah, Scott's heading out to Scotland uh, in two Indeed. days. So, I, yep. So My hopefully best. they don't break the news. We're gonna have to do an emergency podcast while Scott's drunk in a bar. Oh, no, and they absolutely are. Like, and not only are they gonna do that, but there's gonna be like some huge trade involved somewhere too. Like, I'm I'm expecting just complete chaos once I leave. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see how poorly it times out for Scott. <laughs> That means more work for Bridget. Oh, I know. Bridget, do you? But have, hey, right now I'm on vacation. Bridget, do I'm you have a, any doubt that they're gonna that they're gonna sign Bergeron and Krejci? So when it didn't happen, like when it first was reported, that I was worried for like a little bit, like just thinking like, what is the like what what's the deal? What's the hold up on this? Like it seemed like once it was reported, it was kind of like inevitably going to happen soon, but then. Once I got over the, like a few days later, I was like, ah, well, maybe they are just waiting and, and holding out. They have no other option. That's the main reason why I am not worried about it. I just really like, there's really no other option besides them to figure out a way to make those two contracts work because they're not going to figure out a way to make the Nazem Kadri contract work if they were, because he's still available. Um, but if they wanted to bring him in, if things fell through with Bergeron and Krejci, they would have to make a lot of moves in a short amount of time before uh, the season starts. Um, and well, and before Kadri decided to sign with another team. Um, so it just doesn't seem realistic that they're going outside of Krejci and Bergeron uh, as the solution. So that's why I think it's, I, I'm not panicking on it. Uh, I don't think Bruins fans should panic on it yet just because there's literally no other solution in place. Um, and if it doesn't happen, then then uh, you know, that's a whole nother podcast about how stupid it was that they couldn't figure out how to get it done. Because like Scott said, you could bite the bullet and get it done for the minimum, but have to deal with it next season, which honestly, if that's what they have to do, that's what they have to do. They have no other option. Or the other way to get out of that is you trade someone in season and get closer to, to below the cap so that the the performance and bonuses at the end of the year won't go over the cap or might only go over by a little. Obviously, we know the Bruins are very banged up going into the year with uh, McAvoy, Marshan, Grizzly all set to miss time. So I could easily see a situation where if and when they actually have a healthy roster, you deal someone off the team at that point to free up some salary. Yeah, and it, look, if you want if you want to have any any type of season whatsoever, you have to sign Bergeron and Krejci, and that's exactly why they will, and they're going to. It's just a matter of when, not if, in my opinion. You know, if they don't sign Bergeron and Krejci with the injuries Scott just talked about to start the year, you're looking at a top six for at least a month and a half of Charlie Coyle with Hall and Pashanak, and then, you know, Zaka with DeBrusque and Craig Smith. Um and then, you know, you get Martian back, you still don't have any centers. So, like... Yeah, it's like, by the way, they subtracted a center. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. subtracted Eric well, Hala, so... Well, they, they, have, uh, they have to sign them. If they don't, then you're going into a season with no hopes of any playoff hockey. And so what's your goal then? Like, you have no chance to make the playoffs in and of itself if you don't have two, you know, number one and number two centers. So they're going to sign them. It's just a matter of when, and they have some things to to figure out. And and like you guys have mentioned, like Nazem Kadri, like is he an option? I mean, not really. They have no cap space, so even then, you'd have to you know, like Bridget said, make a bunch of moves before he even gets signed somewhere. So Bergeron and Creature are the only options. I'm not worried about it. I think it's a you know, I think it's a good sign that all the boys are hanging out all summer. I, obviously, Rask had a wedding, so they were there for that. But, you know, Pashnak and Krejci have been hanging out, and they just – they all seem to be enjoying well, they were life together up in the there, re- up there in Lake Como reminiscing about the good old days. And <laughs> someone took a picture of um, Marshawn with Lucci, and they're both showing their – uh, 2011 Stanley Cup champion tattoos they both have on their ribs. And it's like, you got, you got Bergeron – 
crazy. Hey, maybe they're trying to convince Lucci. <laughs> He's out there too with all of them. Oh, and Krug. Krug was there too. Bring the band back together. That maybe that's what the plan was. Yeah, I think Sean Thornton was there. So um, yeah, get the get the whole gang back together. Yeah, there was there's Kevin Miller. I don't think Adam, he's coming yeah, out Adam, of retirement. Adam McQuay is going to leave his role as player development and pop, <laughs> help as their sixth defenseman again. But all jokes instead, aside, though, guys, instead they, of instead of player coach, he's player <laughs> slash player development coordinator. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Uh, but all well, isn't that like Mary, Mario Lemieux did it for a little? He was like player was, owner. Yeah. I know. He had part ownership in the team and was still playing. Yep. But they all seem to be they all seem to be gearing up for kind of like, you know, one final run together. I don't know. I just that that's kind of the vibe I'm picking up. And I'm not again, they were all there for a reason in Italy for for Tuca's wedding, but I don't know, just, you know, Krejci and Bergeron and Marshane and Pashnak seem all together. They just they just kind of seem like they're like they're ready to run it back again and they know that it's it's, you know, any any time now that they'll sign. Um, By the way, I, I can I can foresee this now. So this is the the writer in me thinking ahead that at some point during the season with Krejci back, they're rolling. We start to hear about how this trip to Italy was like this huge bonding experience and got everyone together, got them in the right mindset, ready for the season, you know, rejuvenated. And then I can write a thank you to Kakalum, even though he's no longer on the team. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they were having a great time up there. But how can you not? I mean, that was, it looked like a beautiful wedding and in Italy. And by the way, Charlie McAvoy also got engaged in Italy. Yes. Yep. He's been there for a while now, actually. I mean, they've been all traveling the world and a lot of them have been in Europe, bouncing around Europe. But yeah, Charlie McAvoy got engaged, um, I think, in Capri earlier. So in Italy earlier this month, or actually, wait, it's August 1st. So last month. Oh, wait, I thought of this earlier and I, I forgot to say it because Scott said something, but uh, people might have been getting worried about the Krejci thing this week because I think it was a year ago yesterday was when Krejci, when the news broke that Krejci wasn't coming back and we got burned once. So everybody who was mad about that <laughs> getting burned the first time might be like, well, we've been hurt before. We, <laughs> he might burn us again. I don't think he's going to. Mentally, I don't think uh, Krejci fans could handle it. Uh, what an emotional roller coaster it's been being a Krejci fan. But yeah, that it came up on my like my memories that yes, a year ago yesterday, I believe it was that Krejci. We found out the news, and I, I had a sent a Snapchat to someone of me drinking a beer on the dock in Lake Winnipesaukee, saying drinking to <laughs> calm the pain. <laughs> well, the season well, the season started and, later like, you last bring year, that so. up, but you know that kind of makes me think even more that like he is definitely coming back because if you think of that timeline last year, even though it was around this time in the calendar, last year's playoffs had run much deeper into the summer. And this was, like, right when free agency was starting. So it was, like, even though it felt at the time, like, Krejci had kind of dragged his feet a little, it that he had still let the Bruins know by the time free agency had started. And then the official announcement came that week, the free agent. I think, like, free agency started on a Wednesday and his announcement was on a Friday or something. So it's, like, it still all came within the time frame of, like, you need to know now in order to to build your team. Whereas now it's like the Bruins clearly seem to be planning everything as if he's back. And I feel like if he was going to tell them, like, no, actually, I'm good. I'm doing another year on the check or whatever. I think that would have already happened by now. So the fact that, like, you know, we haven't heard that makes convinces me even more that he is coming back. And it's just a matter of waiting and, and fitting the contracts in and kind of molding them to what to what they need to be. This may be a stupid question, but was his contract in the Czech Republic just one year? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay, so then he's technically, like, as free as a free agent can be. Yep. But, you know, it reminds me. And he me has never officially retired from hockey, so. Nope. It reminds me of um, last year when the media talked to Don Sweeney and when uh, it was before Krejci made his official decision to go to the Czech Republic, but it was around free agency, and basically they said if, if Krejci doesn't come back, what's your plan at you know second-line center? 
And Don Sweeney said that our plan is, you know, we have Jack Stanika coming up who's ready to, you know, take a shot at it. And we have Charlie Coyle and it's going to be centered by committee. And neither of those two individuals were able to, for one reason or another, whether it was, you know, the player not stepping up or management or coaching staff not giving Stanika a chance or whatever, however you want to you know, look at it. Neither of those two guys that Don Sweeney envisioned taking over for Krejci were able to take over for Krejci, which tells me that when Don Sweeney's plans, you know, when, when plan A doesn't happen, I don't trust his plan Bs. So right now, if Bergeron and Krejci don't resign, he has no he, he has no plan B. It would be the same as last year. So where's where's the development from the management perspective of if things don't happen? So if you don't have Bergeron and Krejci, or at least one of them, like well, it wouldn't be the same as last year. It'd be much worse than last year. Like what's his what like what I want to know is this, because I think that they are resigning, and I think you know Don Sweeney is holding his hat on that, and he's probably right to do so, but. To play devil's advocate, crazy things in this world happen. Like people change their minds all the time. So, if you're Don Sweeney, what is his, what is his backup plan if those two guys don't resign? I honestly want to know. As a as a general manager, you have to have a backup plan, right? It's irresponsible not to. Even if you are ninety nine point nine 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 percent positive these guys are coming back, that point oh oh one percent chance. Like you have to have something in your back pocket and. Let's be honest, there's nothing he has because he has no assets really and he has no cap space. So if they don't resign, I'm curious if I would have, if, if Don Sweeney had some truths to him and he wasn't being, you know, politically correct in front of the press, like if he had, if he was with his best buddy, like at getting a beer or something like that, I'm, I'm curious what his answer would be. Would it be, yeah, no, we'd be fucked? Or <laughs> like, what, what would his response be? As a GM, you have he, to have backup. I plans. think it would be that. I think yeah. like the honest answer would be, we're taking a big step back this season and, and we're going to try to regroup for next year when we have a lot of contracts coming off the book and we'll have more money to play with. Which do is, you think he would scapegoat? Do you think he would scapegoat Montgomery if that were the case? No, he can't. No, he, you can't do that. The guy just got here. It's not. No, but I wonder if the Jacobs and Cam Neely would seriously consider moving on from Sweeney at that point, because I think part of keeping Sweeney is, under the assumption that like they're still in go for it mode. Yep. Um, I don't think any of them expect a rebuild to start right now. So that's where it would be more interesting for me would be like, you know, is Sweeney the one who's going to get the chance to hit that reset button next off season when the money gets freed up? I'm not so sold that he will be. I think when, when ownership, when ownership spoke to the media last month for the first time in a couple of years, they spoke to how they aren't, they aren't interested in a rebuild, and they also kind of pondered off on the fans and said the fans wouldn't 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 be receptive to one, and you know that's kind of you know subjective depending on who you are if you think that fans would be or not. But my I didn't get the sense that if they did have to rebuild, that Don would be the guy. I think that ownership is backing Don Sweeney as long as they're still competitive. But if they are no longer competitive, and make no mistake about it, if for some reason, that 0.001% chance happened and both Krejci and Bergeron don't come, don't sign for the Bruins this season. It would be, it would be, and it would be irresponsible to try to salvage a season that late into the offseason with no number one or number two center and no cap space and no prospects. And fan, some fans would sit there and say, well, they still have a core of, yeah, they do, but the center ice position is, if you don't have that, you don't have a chance. So, to to try to salvage a season when you don't have those in, those uh, very important pieces to maybe somehow if all goes right be an eight seed I think it would be irresponsible long term for the franchise and if that were to happen I think they would have to take a step back and if they do I think ownership would take a strong look at Don like like Scott just said but. Um, this is more so just because it's August 1st and like, there just hasn't been anything going on with the Bruins. So like, we're trying to just, you know, look at if something like that would have happened in, in, in reality. Um, I think we're going to be sitting here, you know, three, four weeks from now heading into training camp, talking about a team that's going to have Bergeron and Krejci on opening night and Taylor Hall and David Pashnak, um, and Hampus Lindholm. And they're gonna have to step up in the absence of Marshand and McAvoy for a, for a month or so. And hopefully they can get some healthy, you know, health and have a chance this year. But again, it's 
summertime devil's advocate just for the sake of conversation. Well, and also, Brian, it sometimes in summertime, we don't have any like breaking news or anything to cover. So we'll do like, you know, rankings of like where te- like uh, you do like, oh, what, you know, who's going to come in first in each of the uh, uh, divisions? Like you, you come up with other things that you like predictions for things. Well, how are you supposed to predict anything about this Bruins team without a number one or number two setter side? So it, that you can't really, we can't even really do a podcast about like, predictions on like what round of the playoffs they're going to make it to or like like you can't there's no way to predict anything about this team yet well i can i'm gonna do so <laughs> you I, can I was, oh i'm sorry yeah. did i spoil scott's article <laughs> no, no i mentioned this to, to brian and bridger before but uh if any first off if anyone has never seen the snl skit called tom brokaw pre-tapes i highly recommend it because it's great but i'm gonna do that on this podcast uh just pre-plan some of my takes for uh what happens if those guys resign uh or you should pro- you should one resigns or, or neither resigns yes it's a da- it's a dana carvey <laughs> sketch so here we yeah. go scott you're dana carvey uh i don't do a dana carvey <laughs> or, or a tom broca impression for <laughs> yes <laughs> but but no <laughs> so we actually already kind of covered what my reaction would be if uh if neither one resigns which is like you're the season's over and you might as well start looking to the future and try to be in a better spot next year. Um, I mean, look, if they both resign, that's what we've been expecting. And I think, I think you have a team that uh, will be very good and should be up there with some of the best teams in the league should, should be competitive. Like, I don't know if this early, if you can call them like a cup contender, but you know, if you look around the league, it's like I think some of the teams at the top have taken steps back, uh, you know, maybe small ones, but we're still waiting to see how the Avalanche round out their roster. But if they lose Kadri um, along with uh, Burakovsky, they lost. Like, there's going to – Kemper, they lost. I'm not convinced that they got any better in goal. Like, there's a small step back from them. You look at Tampa in the East, like they lost valuable pieces again. McDonough, Plot, like there's going to be a small, at least a small step back there. So Florida's all different. That was a huge trade. Yeah, totally different. We haven't talked like, about that yet. I don't, um, I don't think, right? Kachuk got traded after our last episode. I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, did he? Well, we had we talked about no. There was there was a tweet that said he wanted out last episode. Was, he hadn't landed anywhere, yeah. and they hadn't made a yeah, move yet. Goudreau, we was, talked about Goudreau, but not not Kachuk. Yes, yeah. Goudreau had had signed, but then there was the the report that he that Kachuk wanted out, and it's it has been in between that he um, ended up in Florida. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, I think like I get that that trade of Florida didn't think. Huberto was re-signing with them long-term. But in the short-term, I think Florida got a little worse with that trade. Like, Huberto versus Kachuk straight up to me is kind of a wash. Like, Huberto probably is going to score more. He's a more skilled player. Kachuk obviously brings a completely different dynamic as just a physical freak, honestly. Like, there's so few players like him. Um, but you also gave up Uyghur, who's their number two defenseman behind Ekblad. Um, so I think... They got a little worse. And plus they lost Giroux. Like, they got a little worse this offseason. So there's room there for the Bruins to close the gap. And if Bergeron is back and Krejci returns, then I think they're a better – without really doing anything else, I think they're a better team than last year. You're going to have, you know, a full season of Hampus Lindholm now. Like, I think you'd have to look at that as as a better team. So there's room to move up there. You know, does it make them – like I said, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I don't know, but like I, I wouldn't have them all that far off. Like I would. They look definitely at make the rest that of the team makes be, that team makes it out of the first round. I mean, they should. I mean, it's going to be a really well. It's going to be a really competitive Eastern Conference again. Like I could see it being, I could see the East again being like it was last year, which is like a bunch of really good teams kind of bunched up together, and you know maybe there's like a little bit of a weakness in like the eighth seed, but. Toronto's going to be right there again. The Rangers aren't going anywhere. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, they're running it back for, you know, one or two more runs like the Bruins are. So, you know, Carolina, 
made has had an interesting offseason. Yeah. So they made some defensive changes. Um got Brent Burns. Uh yeah, they, but they they well, moved on from D'Angelo too. So Yeah, they got and they got Max Patch already too. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. lost Nita Ryder and Trocheck, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So Yeah, so like everyone's everyone's made changes, but yeah, like I, I would at the very least look at that Bruins team with Bergeron and Krejci in the fold and again hanging around until Marshan and McAvoy get healthy. And I'd say like they should at least be able to compete with anyone. There's no one in the East where I'd be like, ah, you have no chance against them. Like, forget it. No, I mean, I think and another player from uh, Florida who like brought a lot of character for them that I, I believe is now in Dallas is was Mason Marshman. And you know, he like, so, uh, you know, teams in the Atlantic, so, you know, the, the top teams in the Atlantic from last year, they are gonna they are gonna take a slight step backwards, and I do think you're gonna see Detroit and Ottawa take steps forward. I think you're gonna see the Atlantic Division over the next couple of years not be so top heavy. You're gonna start to see it kind of be anybody's division. I think you'll have maybe one or two automatic playoff teams and one or two automatic, you know, probably not playoff teams. But you're gonna have about four or five teams every year. Until further notice, that I think you know it's gonna it's gonna be a, you know um, a ten round fight all year to see who gets into the playoffs. Like Ottawa's top six is is significantly improved with DeBrinket and Giroux, and like I think when the Bruins are healthy this year, assuming they sign Bergeron, assuming they sign Krejci, and then when Marshan and McAvoy get back, if you like I've said before, if you add Krejci into this team where he wasn't there last year, and you add Lindholm all year. And eventually, Fabian Lysel, like, I, and I, I only keep saying that because I really do think Lysel will be on the Bruins at one point this year. You're at, you're adding talent to a team that was good last year, a solid 107-point team last year. I don't know how much of a difference Montgomery's system will have compared to Bruce Cassidy's, but, like, the Bruins will absolutely, if, the, if, if, if they can sign Bergeron and Krejci and then they, eventually they get healthy, which they will, um, the, like, like Scott has said, they'll, they'll be there. Um, I do think it's going to be a fun Eastern Conference this year. I, I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty wide open, honestly, um, except for a couple teams like Montreal won't be there, a couple others. But uh, I think as we get closer to the season, what, what you know, when we have these you know prediction um, conversations, it'll be it'll be fun to talk about. But for, for right now, you know, I, I think the Bruins, if they can take care of business and sign Bergeron and Krejci, I think that for the 2022-2023 season. They'll be in the mix, and if we're looking one year at a time, then that's all we can ask for. Going forward, that's still to be determined and whatnot. But I guess to keep it to Bergeron and Krejci for just one more question, at least, um, if you're Don Sweeney, like we've talked about, unless you do some incentive-laden deals, that's going to ideally hinder you in the following season. Um, where do you think? Do you still think that they're looking to move like a Mike Riley to or a Craig Smith? Like, where do you think that Don Sweeney is trying to maneuver some money still to cre- create some space? I'm not sure he is, to be honest. Like, that's why I think, you know, try to get Zaka. I'm guessing the Bruins. We don't know the arbitration numbers yet. I know a couple of these have leaked out um, in terms of like what the players asked for, what the teams asked for. I don't think it will it would come out for Zach until closer to when his hearing is. But I think the Bruins probably want to try to get him around like three. And, you know, maybe Zach comes in, is looking for four. And I don't know, they settle, settle somewhere in between, obviously. But um, if they do that, then I think there's a, a chance, there's a possibility of getting Bergeron and Krejci in at like one million each. And now you're kind of, right at the cap and you can figure out a way to make it work from there, whether it's, you know, maybe it's burying Chris Wagner in Providence again, which sucks for him. And I know, you know, he doesn't want to do, but like uh, you got to do something. There's, you know, I don't think all along we've thought like trading a defenseman is the natural place to move salary, but with the injuries there, I I don't think they're going to do that before the season. I think Sweeney kind of told us as much um, a couple weeks ago when he said, you know, if anything, we feel like we need more bodies because we just always seem to have injuries back there, which is true. So I get it. Like, ultimately, I think if and when that unit's completely healthy, I still don't think you want eight, like, 
bona fide NHL contracts back there, like like they'll have. But you kind of cross that bridge when you get there, and that's why I mentioned like maybe it's an in-season trade involving Mike Riley um, if it comes to that. But yeah, I mean, even like Craig Smith, it's like yeah, obviously he wasn't worth three point one million last year, but also what are you going to get for him at this point? If you can hang on to him and not be over the cap, then you might as well see if he bounces back. It's as good an option on your third line as anything else you have. Um, Felino's the obvious one, but nothing seems to be happening there. Like they, they didn't buy him out. That window already passed. I can't imagine they're going to be able to trade. Like, I don't know who's trading for him. I, I think I might have made this joke on the podcast or maybe just talking to someone else, but I was like, can you call up Columbus and be like, Hey, looks like you guys are going for it. Uh, you know, want Felino back, your longtime captain. Um, but like, I don't, I think you, you have to include something else to get someone to take Felino. And I don't think they want to do that. Like, how, how often can you do that? We've already seen that in other trades in recent years where they've had to, you know, throw a pick in to, just to get rid of a player. So you could bury Felino in Providence as well. To me, that seems like, more cruel than just buying him out. Like I think, I think a player would almost rather just be bought out and then, you know, be able to pick where he's going to go next instead of getting buried in Providence and having to play AHL games when you've been like a ten-year NHL captain. Um, so I don't, I don't know that anything happens there either. I think they're going to try to make it fit and just be probably right at the cap if they can keep Zach and Zach's number relatively low and then go the. Uh, performance bonus bonus route with Bergeron and Krejci. Yeah, the Bruins would have to sweeten up the pot with Felino to Columbus. They'd have to, you know, send them like five in game iPad tablets for the bench <laughs> or something like that. A couple new Gatorade <laughs> bottles. Couple um, cannonballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it's that's it's probably something like that. Um Bridget, I want to throw a question your way. This just kinda came to me with um and you know Scott as well after, but with especially with McAvoy and Bergeron, I'm sorry, uh McAvoy and Marchand out to start the year, and Grizzlick. Um, is there a player on the Bruins that you're you're interested to see if they take a step forward and or have a bounce back season um, that you're looking at it, with ideally some opportunity there uh, to start the season? And I know I just kind of threw this at you, so maybe you can take a few seconds. But well, I think I think Mike Riley, and if we're talking about um, you know Grizzlick and McAvoy being out, I've I've always thought Mike Riley was kind of an underappreciated defenseman, and he's had times in the season where uh, last season where Cassidy was healthy, scratching him, and it didn't all to me. It didn't always make sense at the timing of of Riley being healthy, scratched. Um, I don't know if maybe that gives him a little bit more of a chance to you know solidify a spot on this team. Scott mentioned they have quite a few uh they they have maybe too many uh defensive contracts on defenseman contracts on the books right now and so whoever gets the time to step up on defense and uh you know he's gonna have a chance for about a month maybe a little bit longer to try to solidify a role for him or uh you know maybe just increase his trade value if that's the contract that they decide to move but he could also be making his case to stay because i think that they just as likely would be shopping out Matt Grizzlick. So if Riley has a good start to the season and, and can be consistent, maybe the first half of the season, maybe they decide to move Grizzlick instead if, if they think they can get more for him. So I think Mike Riley has a lot to, to gain if he can step up uh, with Grizzlick and McAvoy out. Scott, how about you? Yeah, two come to mind. So one I just touched on, but Craig Smith, it, you know, when he's going, he's a, a huge asset to your third line. Like we've seen him, you know, be able to play in the top six. Obviously, the year he was on the line with Krejci and Hall, he was, you know, he was a really solid fit there. But I think when he's really on his game, he is one of the better third liners in the NHL. And obviously, we just never really saw that last year. And there were injury problems early in the season, and. Maybe they lingered, maybe they didn't. You know, he downplayed it after the season on breakup day. He said injuries weren't an issue. I I still think he was being modest more than anything. Like, I, I do think those injuries lingered quite a while. Um, but, you know, if he can bounce back and he's healthy, like, 
that's that's a huge asset because we know we've seen it year after year after year when this team or any other team has a third line that's going you can make a deep playoff run when you don't you're looking at an early exit and obviously uh, we know coils crucial in that as the center but i think craig smith is almost equally important because you at least need him going and then that gives you the option to figure things out as you go in terms of who's the left wing on that line but you can't you can't have two wings that are question marks in that line um so that's one and then the other one that comes to mind i'll also go on defense but jakob zaborl who i thought was you know it looked like he was finally starting to establish himself as an nhl caliber player and then tears his acl done for the season should be healthy and ready to go by the time certainly by the time the season starts but probably even in time for the start of training camp. Um, He's been making good progress. And as far as I know, everything's on schedule for him to be healthy for camp. And obviously he's going to be one of those guys who gets that opportunity early on. Um, And, you know, I think, I guess like if you line up on paper when everyone's healthy, you'd probably most likely pencil him in as as like seventh or eighth on on the D chart. But he absolutely has a chance to make a case that he should be higher than that, that he should be, on that third pairing or maybe even pushing, you know, Grizzly Riley for a spot in that second pairing. Um, we'll see if he plays on the right side at all, because then he can push Clifton or bump Clifton out of that third pairing job. So I think there's a real opportunity for Zaboral to um, finish what he started last year, which is like really establish himself and stick as, as a regular in this lineup. Um, and I'm interested to see if he can do that again. We're going to see all, all these guys are going to be fighting for playing time on the blue line. We're going to see plenty of them early in the season with McAvoy and Grizzly out. So uh, definitely interested to see what Zaboral does with that opportunity. Yeah, he was one of the ones I was going to mention as well, Scott. So I'm glad you hit on him. Um, another one on the back end that I really enjoy watching is uh, is is Jack Ashan, and I think that you know getting an extended look at him would be. Um, you know, will be valuable for the Bruins to kind of see what he can do. And, uh, you know, and along with Zaboral, I I mean, I think, I think when Zaboral was hurt, when he went down with injury, I mean, he was, you know, he's playing some of the best hockey he had played as a pro. And I I certainly think his ceiling is still top four, not, not top pair, but top four. And uh, certainly a solid, you know, third, third, um, third D pair. So, you know, uh, Ashan and Zaboral on the back end, definitely. Um, You want to see Lindholm, step up obviously as your number one defenseman without McAvoy up front I mean you know Taylor Hall is gonna have to he's gonna have to be the guy on the left side without Marshan he's gonna have to be he doesn't really have much of a choice um but somebody up front obviously kind of an obvious pick but with the coaching change and and the opportunity you know Jake DeBrusque he has he has no excuses anymore he has no not that you know he was giving many but like Everybody knew he and the coach didn't get along, um, and that he wasn't happy to the point where he requested a trade. And you can you can think whatever you want to think about Jake DeBrusque and, and his mentality, or or maybe you didn't love his effort, you know, at times. But the fact of the matter is, the player was unhappy. We can all have our own opinions on the matter, but it's what it is. The reason he was unhappy is now in Las Vegas, <laughs> so. Um, you know, Montgomery is supposed to be this player-friendly coach. If you think that's soft, I tend to agree. It's what it is. But the player is going into a season where there's no, there's no more excuses for him. If he doesn't perform, if he doesn't give you the effort that he's capable of giving night in and night out, then, you know, I believe it was always it, it's it's always in the player first and foremost. But in this situation, he, he even he and his biggest defenders can't say can't say shit now if he doesn't show the effort. So Jake DeBrusque is a player that, all right, you have, you, have, you have tons of potential, you have tons of talent, tons of skill, and you have a situation around you now where the intangibles are in your favor. It's what you want. You got a fresh contract for two years. You got a coach who is player-friendly, and you got opportunity with one of the best wingers in the world out of the lineup for a month and a half. So continue to show us. Build off of what was a 25-goal season last year and and show us, show us what you're capable of. So up front, I'm looking at DeBrusque, and, you know, I think people can talk about maybe like a an Oscar Steen or somebody who's l- a less everyday NHL player that can maybe try to get some more playing time. But yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to, you know? 
Yeah, and with DeBrusque, like, part of the issue why he wasn't happy here, you know, in addition to the friction with Cassidy, was that he was playing down in the lineup, and I think for a while didn't see a path to getting back into a top six role because he saw he knows Marshans here, he sees them lock up Taylor Hall on an extension. He knows he had struggled on the right side before, and I think he looked at that and was like, "So I'm a third line in that. Like that's all you guys think I'm ever going to be." And I think that was part of the problem too. For really for him mentally, as much as anything, um, then he gets his chance on the top six in the second half of last season, uh, has success playing on the right side, and everything clicks. And now he gets in the season, and he's happier and he's in a better place and now he gets a new coach um and it's like okay well he's obviously start starting this season in top six role there's no question about that whether it's on the left or the right we'll, we'll see um you know it could be the left with Marchand out but either way you're playing on the first or second line right out of the gate this season and that job is there for you to run with even when Marchand comes back you know you flip back over to the right side and like that, that job's there for you. That they didn't go out and get some other top six right wing uh, to bump you down the lineup. You know, the only like maybe Craig Smith is internal competition. Maybe at some point Fabian Lysel is, but to start the year, every everything's there for DeBrusque to to run with that job and, and you know prove that he, he deserves to stay there. So, just a question for the class: like you mentioned, Scott DeBrusque's asking himself internally. Is this all they think of me as a third liner? Okay. Well, when you're a left-handed shot and your number one left wing is Brad Marchand, who's a 100-plus point per, per season guy, and your second left wing is Taylor Hall, who put up 61 points last year, and you're Jake DeBrusque, and you put up 42 points last year and less than that the year before, you know, if you, you know, do the lesser games in the season, I get that. But my point is objectively, from a point standpoint, point production standpoint, yes, on the depth chart, you are third line left wing. So it, it, it can, does he not, like, did he not see that? Like, dude, like, you are objectively the third left wing on this team. You're not better than Marshan, and at least right now, you're not better than Taylor Hall. So, yes, the Bruins think of you as a third line left wing because of the guys in front of you. On a different team, are you a second line left wing? Yeah, yeah, maybe some teams, yeah. Now, it took for him to go to the right side to get into the top six, but, like, I guess my point is, if the Bruins are healthy again, and, you know, Craig Smith is not slumping at a, at a career low like he was last year, I mean, new coach, but isn't he still kind of third-line left wing in the depth chart if they keep him on the left side? Has that has that changed? On the left uh, side, yeah, on the left side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... I think there's a strong possibility though that he stays on the right side. Or- I was gonna say, even if they're tempted to go DeBrusque Bergeron Pasta as their first line and like move DeBrusque over to the left side, I just don't see I I would want to keep him consistently on the right side just for, for the whole year. It would not really mess it up and move it around. Yeah, like well, so I guess the issue there is like, yeah, I would like to see I think like if you went a hall Bergeron DeBrusque. Krejci and Pastanar together right off the bat. But then the problem is, is okay, who's on the left with Krejci and Pastanar? Right. Yeah. Right. Do, 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 do. <laughs> no, like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nick there's not a good Frederick. way to, there, there's not a, like a very obvious way, I would say. I mean, there's, they're going to have to try a bunch of different things, but there's not like an obvious solution to the Marshawn being missing would on it, the left side would situation. Would it be, um, would it be like a Pavel Zaka? Would they give him a chance? Yeah. Actually, I, so the, that would the be old, the old check connection because they yeah. played together. That would make, yeah, I think that would make more sense than DeBrusque. Yeah. So going all, all check second line. Yeah. I could yeah. See yeah. Not to be confused, like a checking line, which is, you know, like a third. It's <laughs> no, different, a little different. <laughs> so look, so, so we'll see again, you know, it's, it's August 1st. There hasn't been much news. I mean, the only, you know, news recently with hockey has been the uh the NHL and what's it called um 
Adidas not continuing their. Oh, here we go. No, I'm not. I'm not even. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not even getting into it. I'm just saying, like, that's the only hockey news. Oh, I've but had. we promised the people a fashion segment. Wow, well, tweet that out. Which we will get to, but I did quickly want to mention the sports betting thing because I feel like some of our listeners care about that, and then we'll finish off with fashion if that works for you guys. But Scott wrote this article this morning that Massachusetts um, has joined some of the other states around us in allowing sports betting. Yeah, which wasn't expected, honestly, because like as recently as last week, the um, the Speaker of the Massachusetts House was saying that the House and the Senate were far apart on terms, and they had a midnight Sunday deadline and went way past it on that and on some other issues. And at like 5 a.m. this morning, announced that they'd reached a deal and had a bill to legalize sports betting in Massachusetts. Uh, it now goes to the desk of Governor Baker, who has already said he'll sign off on it. So, yeah, we're getting legalized sports betting. And as I, one state senator said he hopes it's ready for football season. So that's obviously a fast turnaround. But I, I think they can do that because a lot of these places have already had it in place. Like all, all the apps – whether, you know, we don't know exactly who's going to get the app licenses, but I think a safe bet is like DraftKings will be one, FanDuel, probably Barstool, um, maybe other. All the casinos are getting licenses and they'll have apps, I believe. Um, but like they already, all of them have stuff in place, like ready to just flip the switch. So as soon as they get the go ahead, I think like everything's live and they're ready to go. Um, but yeah, it means people will be able to, to bet on, on the Bruins, on everything else, pro sports, on college sports, with the exception of Massachusetts colleges. They can't bet on local colleges unless it's a postseason tournament, which I don't know how they ended up at that compromise, but hey, whatever gets it done. Um, but yeah, and I think you're also going to see, you'll see, maybe not right away, but you'll see sports betting live at games, other teams are already doing this. So um, I think we're probably not too far away from like being able to sit in the garden, watching a Bruins game and place a bet either on your phone right there or, you know, at a kiosk in the garden or something. Um, So, yeah, I think that's all coming. And, you know, if you're excited about sports betting, then that's awesome news. And if you don't care, then you can probably just keep living your life normally and not lose any money. Well, there's no one happier than Mike Mudansky today. Mm-hmm. This is his Christmas. He's, I don't know how long, I feel like it's ever since I met Mutt like four years ago that he has, he probably references it every single Mutt at night and every, and he was worried about this. He did not think it was going to pass. So he's going to be so happy today. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think anyone did. Like, I think people, like people I follow on Twitter were like going to bed Sunday night being like uh, two hours until this is dead for another year. Like, no one really thought it, it was ultimately going to get done. But, yeah, they just they, – I guess, like, I don't know, credit to the Massachusetts legislature, and you know, for actually doing something and putting in effort to get something done. But Well, it also financially – yeah. yeah, it financially benefits the state. So, I mean, there was that upside for them as well. I mean, well, yeah, it's some crazy. people like, that were, like, morally opposed to the gambling situation, but – yeah, I mean, we were letting like so much money get away because so many people will just go to New Hampshire or Rhode Island or if you're out in Western Mass, New York or Connecticut legalized it earlier this year, I think. Like everyone around us had already done it. So it's like unless you lived in like the dead center of the state where it's too far of a drive to, to any other state, like anyone who wanted to was doing it. And we know like we're doing just so it much illegally, money. you know, yeah, like, it's everybody, so much it, money I know a guy. State. Yeah, no, it was it, exactly. It's going to end up making them a lot of, a lot of money, but yeah. So that, I mean, I feel like that affects probably quite a few. I personally don't bet on anything. I'm not a gambler. I don't sports bet, but I know people are excited about it. And I mean, Scott, you don't bet either. Do you? Um, Occasionally, like not, not a lot. I'm definitely not mud or, or Chris Scheim who's, doing it like every single day. But uh, so like, you know, cause I, like, I go up to New Hampshire a lot. My grandfather lives there. My sister lives there. And like, if I'm up there and something catches my eye or whatever, like, yeah, like it, it's easy enough just to log on 
to the DraftKings app and like place your bet. So like I'll probably do that a little bit more now that it's legal here and going to be so easy to do. But yeah, I'm not I'm not betting like every night or anything like that. Oh, and should we plug our other podcasts? Because we have uh, Shime's podcast um, has a yeah. betting portion, does it not? Uh, yeah. Well, so yeah, they're. I mean, they're Six Rings Patriots podcast. They definitely like a betting portion. And then we also have a, the BetQL Boston podcast, which is a uh, Mutt and Shime. So they they do that. So that that's their betting specific podcast. So if you you know if you really want all their picks and trends and all that stuff and you're really into it betql boston and now for the fashion section brian we'll let you loose uh i don't really have much i mean it's a uh there's no designs to speak of it's just a matter of um adidas and the nhl not continuing their 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 partnership uh after the 23-24 season um so look when we had pete blackburn on he talked about how he was hearing whispers that when the Bruins centennial season happens in 23-24, um, that they might be going back full-time to the Kim Neely, Ray Bork 1980s jersey templates, which uh, are my favorite Bruins templates of all time. So if that's still the plan and this new jersey manufacturer, whoever ends up being, uh, stays true to that, then no no quarrels from me. I'm, I'm all set. I know Scott's a little nervous about um, maybe if it's Nike, because they they kind of tarnish some soccer uniforms, and Scott's a big soccer fan. But... Well, and the international hockey jerseys. I mean, they're yeah. Olympic jerseys for multiple countries, not just the U.S. Have just been absolute yeah. garbage. Yeah, terrible. Um, but I think I think when you're talking about t- franchises within a league, you know, they're they have design teams and they're sending the manufacturers what they want, and I think for the most part they try to abide by that. Um, but uh, speaking of international hockey. Is the World Juniors happening this August? Because that was pushed off yeah, from last December. Yeah, starts right? like a week. So that's it. that's something to look forward to. Uh, you you'll probably you will be away, Scott. Um, but I'll be able to catch like the last two rounds, I think, when I yeah. get back. No, is that is yeah, that I'll miss most of it. Is that happening where it was supposed to happen in the first place? Is that in Calgary? Yeah, it's in, it's in Edmonton. Was it in Calgary you... in December, Red Deer? Um, no, I think. It, Edmonton was at least one of the sites, and then I don't know what their secondary okay. site was. But because I remember there being like all sorts of issues with Edmonton, where like the because COVID, if, like if you remember, like that was exact. I mean, it ended up getting canceled because of COVID right around the same time the NHL was shutting down. That was like the last big wave of a COVID outbreak that we had. Hopefully, n- knock on wood, the last. Yeah. Um, but there was like a huge issue because it was like the teams were in hotels just with like the general public. And there was all kinds of like, they weren't sequestered at all. So it was like, everyone was interacting with everyone. And like, there was no separation. And so like, once it started to spread, everyone's like, uh, yeah, we're probably in trouble. Cause like no one's been taking any precautions basically. Yeah. Let's hope that that, 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 that was a very, very frustrating. I, I was so pissed off last December when that happened. It's like, I was looking so forward to that tournament, and it was just like, you guys didn't, you guys didn't think what happens if there's a COVID positive test? Like, oh no, we're gonna shut the whole tournament down. Yeah. It's like, why'd you even have it then? Uh, but I don't want to get, I don't want to go back into that jolly frame of mind from last December. <laughs> but that'll be a fun tournament. Um, I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully, yeah, Fabian that... Lysel playing for Sweden. So there's mm. there's your your viewing guide uh, if you're a Bruins fan. Also, Riley Duran uh, still in USA camp. They cut down to 27 from like 52 or something. And this, so they only have two cuts to make, and Riley Duran is still there. Um, Ty Gallagher, Bruins prospect, who's at BU, did not make the cut down to 27. Um, but the head coach is Nate Lehman from Providence, so it's Duran's college coach. Yeah, uh, that might help there. out a little bit. <laughs> it helps out a little bit. I think it, it. what also helps is that I think Lehman knows what kind of identity he wants, like, on his fourth line. And Riley Duran really fits that. Like, you watch him at development camp or at Providence, and he's – I I said, like, I wrote this during development camp. Like, he is just your prototypical Providence college forward. Like, think of Nolachari, Tim Schaller – 
Brandon Tan of like he plays that same kind of game, like just physical, relentless, drives the net. Not the most skilled guy offensively, but is going to make things happen just by working hard. And, and like you know, these tournaments, it's so tempting for these coaches to just take all the most skilled guys, and you can do that, and you might win gold. But I think a lot of times they're also looking for like a little bit of that identity on the fourth line in particular. And Lehman's won World Junior Gold before, so he knows he knows what it takes. So I could easily see him saying like, "Yeah, like there is a place on this team for for Riley Duran." Yeah, and by the way, people probably don't know too much about Riley Duran unless they follow like PC hockey, um, or I guess just Bruins prospects, but um, he's also from Woburn, so he's a mm-hmm. local kid. So, do you, uh, Scott or Bridget, do you guys know if um, some of the top players that were playing in December for the U.S. are, are playing in August? Like, for example, like Beniers, Matthew Nyes, Logan Cooley, Jake Sanderson, uh, are, other, are those guys I th- back? I believe Nyes is there because he's going back to college for another season, but Beniers is out because he's with the Kraken. Jake Sanderson's out because he's with Ottawa. Drew Camesso, who is the starting goalie, is out. He said he wants to uh, he wants to focus on his season at BU, and it was just too close. So there are some top players who who are gone from that team, which obviously stinks because like you'd love to be able to see those guys in in a tournament like this, but more opportunity for so, for other guys. So like same for Canada, like like Owen Power would be out, right? Yeah, McTavish. he's out. But wasn't like. Like hasn't haven't haven't but I, I think NHL players in, the, I think Connor Bedard's playing. Haven't NHL players in the past like that are of age? They've still played in the tournament though. So what? What's the yeah? What's the, so usually, I, usually the NHL teams have a lot of say in that. And I think when you where you see them play in the December January tournament is it, maybe if they're not quite playing every day at the NHL level yet, or if their team is like clearly not in playoff contention. They decide like that's okay. That's still a good experience for these guys to get. Um, I think the issue you're seeing here is a lot of teams are holding out anyone who might have a chance to make their opening night roster, basically because it's so close to training camp and preseason that they don't want guys getting hurt. They don't want them wearing themselves down already. So uh, like Montreal is holding out Yuri Slavkovsky, their number one overall pick. Which is like, well, there goes Slovakia's chances. So. Yeah, I was gonna say he's probably not happy about that either, because I'm sure he wants to play with those guys. Yeah, but it's just it's such it's just such an awkward tournament just because of the timing. It's like obviously this has yeah. never been held in August before, so everyone's kind of, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a great tournament, but it's not yeah. gonna be quite as many top players as maybe it usually well, is. I mean, if if the U.S. is without. Um, Beniers and and uh, and Logan Cooley and Jake Sanderson and then you know to name a few and Canada's without Owen Power and Shane Wright. I mean like and you know McTavish. I mean like that, those were those that, I I was that's why I was so excited for that tournament in December. It was like the the star power was just you know insane and you know uh, Kent Johnson's another one for Canada who will who won't be playing. He'll be with you know yeah. Columbus um, a month later. So. But again, uh, like you said, chances for others to step up and, and show you know show their name. Um, did anybody have anything else before we uh, we go? I don't think so. All right. Well, I know nope. Bridget has nope. a you know she has a she has to bend the elbow. A couple of seltzers waiting for her on the lake. Yeah, I got some seltzers waiting for me out there. I'm looking at the lake right now, Lake Winnipesaukee. You guys made me do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott's got to go across the pond and try some fish and chips, and you know. Have some fun over in in Scotland and in England. It was like a five five hour time change too. So yep. if news breaks here, it could be the middle of the night. <laughs> Scott, leave your phone leave your um phone on sound so that if we call you in the middle of the night, you you pick up and do the pot. All right. Yeah, no problem. And uh, don't turn off data roaming because we need to get in contact <laughs> with you. Yeah, so I mean, we should mention to people. So I'm on vacation August third through seventeenth. But if anything happens. Uh, Brian Bridget will still be still be recording. They'll get something up. Um, maybe if I really feel motivated, I'll do a quick phone call in or something. But um, in between beers, yeah. But th- th- there will still be coverage if uh, you know 
Bergeron and Krejci get done or don't get done or anything else happens? I don't know, Scott. I don't know if we can do it without you. Can you handle it? I, think- I don't know. I don't know if this ship is going to sink. <laughs> See if uh, Ken Laird will come. We got, we, 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 uh, yeah. We have enough life lifeboats. We'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but we, we we appreciate you guys uh, listening. I mean, this is like you know, this is like talking about Christmas in July. It's it's you know <laughs> it can be tough to to find it, but you know we have a month until month until training camp, and you know we're getting there. So um, hopefully there's some key signings in the meantime, and like we said, there's World Juniors and whatnot. So um, Thank you for listening. We'll we'll be in touch soon. And everybody have fun. Scott, have fun. And Bridget, enjoy the lake. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you guys soon.